Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. There we are, yeah. That was the first part of my message right there. One of my favorite songs, Stephen Miller from the 70s, they actually pulled that out of uh, Isaiah, that you will rise up like an eagle when you wait upon the Lord. And uh, it just kept coming to me all this week, so I thought I'd just share it with you in case you're too young and you've never heard that. But actually, if you watched any NFL games, you've probably heard it. It's used for all kinds of sports and everything. But it's an amazing song. Go home and look at it. It, it really speaks to several different passages. These guys, I don't know what situation they were in, but they were really referring to the Bible a lot on some of the, some of the songs that they wrote back in the 70s. So, hey, open your Bibles uh, to a place. Isaiah 66. In honor of my birthday last month, 66 years old. I've been studying 66. Sometimes the Lord leads me in numbers uh, through the, uh, my age, and it uh, has followed suit many times. Uh, as you're looking to Isaiah 66, I'm asked to remind you of this is the, is this the last day? Oh, Tuesday. Tuesday's the last day of early bird pricing for Graham Cook and Fateen. I have not learned to pronounce her last name yet, so I'm just going to say Fateen. Everyone knows there's Fateen. Fateen is, is the, uh, uh, she's been described by several people to me as the Lou Engel of Canada. She is a powerful woman that really, she is, she's building a international television broadcasting studio on the end of an island in the province that Cindy grew up in in New Brunswick, Canada, I can't tell you how strange that is. It's ultimate, it's it's hugely strange that that's happening, but amazing things are going on in the province that we, she grew up in, that we lived in for 10 years and our kids grew up in. And God is really taking things off. In fact, we've included her in now in our missional project each year that uh, this coming year, as we uh, mentioned that over and over throughout the the year, but uh, she's coming to speak, and it's the first time we've had her. She is a fiery individual. Uh, she was offered a commentary job for conservatives in Canada National uh, Television, similar to what would be like similar to Fox News and things like that, and uh, she turned it down. She devoted herself totally to just pursuing the Lord in prayer, inviting people into that place in New Brunswick, Canada to touch the nations of the world and to see Canada transformed. So we're bringing her in with Graham Cook. Many of you are very familiar with Graham Cook. I want to encourage you, register before Tuesday because by the time of the conference, what is that, March 17th or something like that? St. Patrick's Day, actually. Uh, They're coming uh, that day and the day before. It's a two-day conference, uh, one, two, three, six sessions. It's going to be powerful. I encourage you now to sign up because you'll wish you had in early March. We almost, I think we've always sold out with Graham Cook. Whatever we can fit, we sell it out. And then people come and go, oh, I was waiting. You know, it's like, I don't know what to tell you, you know. And and I, I feel bad every time. So please, please sign up. Don't sign up during this service because I got to preach here in a minute. But sign up for the conference. It's really easy to do. Uh, the price is going to go up on on. Uh, Wednesday, I guess. On Wednesday, the price is going up. And we do that. We have to do it in a greater way because that uh, people ask me this many times, not all the time, but many times. 
it's kind of at a graded scale because we want people to sign up early. If everyone signed up early, Bert, I'd be very happy with that. So we want you to sign up early. We give a little motivation in there to do that. And it also gives us income to be able to do some of the preliminary things we need to do in preparation for them coming. So it's called Closer. And I, I picked that because that's kind of folds in with Flourish, that, that as we draw closer to the Lord, amazing things happen. This is a year of drawing close to the Lord. And I'll probably mention that a little bit during my message, but you do not want to miss this. We may also add one more person into that. I can't tell you who it is yet. I've got to confirm it, but it's going to be a great conference. So it's coming up in uh, March. It is our spring conference like we have every year. We're already planning our fall conference. It's going to be an amazing one too. We want to do something surrounding worship and the presence of God. And so pray for us as we get all these things together. Okay, fly like an eagle. Here we go. So Isaiah 66 verse 14 says this, and then we're going to go over to another passage that has really been impressed on me over the past couple weeks. And uh, I want to ask you... uh, Well, let's go to the passage first. Isaiah 66, verse 14 is one of the flourish chapters or one of the flourish verses that has really stirred me since probably last October. And I, I, you know, I came home from Canada and I I just started Googling, you know, Bible flourish and popping up all these verses. And, uh, you know, 40 years ago, we we had to do this grunt work of looking up in a Strong's Concordance and then looking up in a Bible. And now in about 30 seconds, I go, Bleep, they're all there. And I go, woo! I mean, it's, this, it's the acceleration of the Spirit of God upon the nations of the world right now and expect that same thing in the Spirit. That God is moving in lightning speed to heal people and restore people. If AI can do what they do... <laughs> They is probably the wrong pronoun. AI could do what it does. Then uh, what more is the Spirit of God when He's unleashed upon a nation in power? And we're believing for that here in the United States. And we want you to flourish. It's our aim. Some people said, "Why do we? Why are we talking about G- what we, Jesus? Is flourish? Why are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is flourish." I mean, it's all about this abundance that's all throughout Scripture from the beginning all the way to the end. The definition which I gave you, and then I'll read out of Isaiah 66. That's what I want to do. It says, uh, flourish, which I read a couple weeks ago, is to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way. How many of you want to grow and develop in a healthy or vigorous way? Raise your hand around the room. The others are like, what? What are you saying? Oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Healthy or vigorous way. So we want to be strong, boost strong, feel strong to the day we die. And when older people are struggling and suffering or people who are suffering with, with illness in their bodies, I, I know what that feels like. And there's, it's so powerful to have people around you that believe something greater can happen in your life. I want to be in a community like that. So it says this. It says, grow or develop in a healthier, vigorous way, especially, especially as a result. I love that this is a Webster definition. Especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. You are the favorable environment. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a favorable environment. I'm expecting health. I'm expecting vigor in this season that we're in. Isaiah 66, 14 says this, when you see this. Now, when I was in Bible school, they said, when you've got something that is 
defining, you've got to go to the previous chapter to look at what it's all about. And of course, I did that. We're not going to take time right now. But it's about a time of dryness, and the Lord begins to move in a very particular way. He is moving right now among the nations. I cannot tell you. I was down in Florida for two weeks. I did more ministry in Florida than I've ever done in Florida my entire life. I attended two churches while I was there. We ministered, uh, went out with pastors. I, uh, uh, but in particular, I went over to Brian Simmons' house, the Passion Bible guy who was here last year, year before, something like that. Was over at his house with, because he lives down there, with a group of people from Montana, pastors, Montana and, uh, and Connecticut and Florida. And uh, I, you know, a presence of God came down. I have, I have not ministered that easy in a long time. I, I, I would be, I, I, I don't want to, I want to know. It's been at least a decade where it was that easy. And so I went for it. Cindy will tell you, she was there. Three hours. Three hours preaching an hour and a half, prophesying for an hour and a half. And the prophetic words, man, it was like, <clears throat> but here's the deal. It's not me. It's not me. There, there is right now the bubbling up all over this country and in this church. Maybe you haven't felt it yet, but it is here. We are in the, we, I used to always say we're on the outer edges of revival. I always felt like a Star Trek term, you know. We're coming into this solar system called revival. Can you feel the difference, you know? We're coming out of warp speed into the presence of revival. It's over. We're in the revival now. There's a revival bubbling up across. I mean, last Friday night on the 20th, which is, by the way, the 29th anniversary of the breakout of the revival known as the Toronto Blessing. 29th year. Can that be right? That's not right. Is that right? No, it's the 19th year. Would that be it? 94? Quick, someone do some... No, it's the 29th year. I'm right. Yeah, 29th year. 29th year. They invited on that Friday night a church in Charlotte called the Gate Church, who've been experiencing the bubbling up for a couple months now. Actually, about four or five months. An ordinary church, just seeking God, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up. You know how that goes? The Holy Spirit comes... And so they thought, well, let's bring John Arden. And they bring him in on that night. And they said, by noon, people were wrapped around the building. This is the hunger that's in America right now. People were wrapped around the building to come in. It was packed out. They had an amazing blowout in the spirit with people being healed and touched and everything else. Right now in northern Georgia, there's a, a uh, uh, baptizing and water revival going on, which people are coming. They have been for over a year now. Thousands of people come and get baptized and an amazing break off of addictions and all kinds of things that are going on in people's lives. Also, Lou Engel has just now proclaimed something that happened in the late, great Benny Johnson's life when she, she talked about communion and wrote a book about it that was a bestseller. Lou Engel went right before she died, had her lay hands on him and, said, and proclaimed a revival of the communion of God. And so here's what's happening right now, which I think Haley Braun talked about last week. There's a bubbling up going on right now around the nation where there are sectors that are going to be known for a certain trait of revival. What's Cleveland's sector going to be? <laughs> I'm not totally sure yet, but I feel it bubbling up. 
I think the Word of God is going to be a powerful thing that comes out that in the sharing of the Word of God, people are going to be delivered of evil spirits. Bonds are going to be broken off people. And I even got a word about uh, three years ago, three years, someone told me that when I preach, my humor would break off mental illness. I'm in, man. So you're going to hear some 70s rock songs. You're going to hear some things like that. They're a little out of the ordinary in the days ahead because I got to be me and that's just who I am. And it's what the Lord's called me to do, to use various aspects in order to, to, in the spirit, begin to identify and break things off that we might be a people that are free in the spirit of God, that religion will have no means of entry into this property, into this building, or more important, in your hearts. <laughs> in my heart too. So here's what it says. So Isaiah 66. Why did I get off on that? Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, it says, all these things are going to happen. You need to go home and read it, man. It's amazing. Isaiah 66. And then you get to this, and Isaiah says, and when you see this, what was in earlier in Isaiah 66, first 13 verses, your heart will rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like grass. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But bones, oh, thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it. Talk among yourselves there a minute. Your bones shall flourish like grass. Wow, do you know, I, I went through a time where my bones had to flourish. 10 years ago, next week, they reinserted my stem cells that they had harvested in January, put them in a fridge somewhere in the Cleveland Clinic, three weeks, pulled them out, Slam me with the, the, what they call the mother load of chemotherapy, you know, top aside, all these kinds of crazy drugs, you know, and brought my numbers down to almost zero, ready to reboot my body with my own stem cells that they had washed. They brought them in. It was only about that much. It was less than this right here. And as that dripped out of that little bag, you know, into my body, we prophesied over those stem cells as best I could. I was pretty weak at that point. Best we could, we prophesied over, because that was my future. My future was this big. That was it. I mean, it's amazing when that's kind of uh, going on there. And so the whole point was the cancer had reached to my bones, just entered into my bones. So what we're doing is, this is these stem cells are coming back in, and it said they know, the doctor said they know what to do. We don't know why they know what to do, but they know what to do and they know what to become. They become either white cells, red cells, or platelets. They become, they work in unison. They set up camp all over your body and they begin to reproduce. And over the next days, you're going to feel, you're going to go through seven days of hell. But on the eighth day, you're going to feel like there's hope. That's what the doctors told me. And I thought, is this, is this like a priest talking to me? Or is this? And so what they're hoping for is that my, the marrow of my bones will flourish, will expand, and the goodness of God would be spread through my whole body. So when I read this, it's got personal, a personal touch on it for me that my bones shall flourish like grass. I should confess that every day. May my bones flourish like, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. Now, Jay kind of stole my thunder just a little bit. Ready, aim, fire. That's really the title of my message today. And in this, we're going and bringing our future into our present. We're living as future, present 
people. We're a people that are so confident of our future because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood that opened the door for our destinies. We are so confident of it that we live like we believe it. We walk in it. We open it to every door that we know is God. Well, I'm going into it. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm not going to fear about it. I'm not going to get into anxiety anymore. We break off anxiety. I'm so ticked off at anxiety right now. We break off anxiety in this city. Can we do that? In this city, we break it off. That hope might be restored in this state. Joel and I got together a few months, a few weeks ago, actually, actually probably a month ago, and started talking about how we're feeling this stir in the state of Ohio. There's something about Ohio God's preparing it for. There's a move of God that's going on. This move, this move that was going on, a few of the ladies talking about this move that's going on in Charlotte, they were distressed a little bit because they knew the Gulliver prophecy. Do you all know the Gulliver prophecy? About the Spirit of God that's all up and down the East Coast. And Bob Jones in 2005 said, five or six, I forget, 2005, I believe, in Cincinnati. I was there when he said it. He said there was this giant man sleeping, laying down on the East Coast. His head was in Cleveland. His, one, his left foot was in Charlotte. His right foot was in Nashville and the rest of his body parts all up and down <laughs> between there and there. And then Bob Jones says, but the head must rise first. And there's a revival coming. We're, we're going to wake up an awakening out of sleepiness. And this Gulliver, this what he called the revival man, is going to stand up with his left foot in Charlotte and his right foot in Nashville and put both feet in Atlanta. And the South will be one in a day. This is an epic prophetic word that's almost 20 years old. We've been leaning into that word saying, what if? Cleveland rise. During all that time, the Cavaliers were using all these phrases like rise. We were like, yes. Jesus and LeBron. Rise. I mean, they had all these phrases, you know, that, that, were, that were Jesus phrases. In fact, the, the Jewish community actually complained in Cleveland and wrote into one of, the, one of the deals saying, what's the deal with all these Jesus slogans? They weren't they didn't think they were Jesus slogans. They were thinking about a basketball team. But it was prophetic signals for us. I know if you're visiting, you think that's a little weird. I think it's weird too. But after studying the Bible, I understand that weird to God is not like the weird we think. Weird for him, weird for us is normal for him. We're just not aware of it. We're not, we're not understanding of it. And so uh, they asked these these young ladies were saying among themselves, like, wait a minute, why, why is this thing happening in Charlotte? It's a, it's a foot. And one of the other young ladies who's, who's studying Scripture on a daily basis, like we're encouraging everyone to do, she, she knew right away, she, she prophesied basically and said, well, the feet had to be uncovered for the head to be awakened, which is right out of, what is that out of, Ashley? Judges, Ruth, out of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz. That when she went and uncovered his feet, he woke up. Ultimately, she became his wife. There's a, there's a marriage on the way. There's something about to happen. So it would make sense that in Charlotte, which is the left foot, is uncovered. I expect Nashville to be uncovered pretty soon too. There's a revival that's going to hit Nashville. It's going to awaken the heaven. When the head rises, though, the entire body will rise up in the east. This is our prophecy. We have been called as stewards of this prophecy. God's called us that our bones need to be awakened. Our bones need to flourish. And we need to get in a position right now where we begin to lean into what God has been speaking to us for a long time. 
We've got hundreds of prophetic words over this church going back to 1996 and before while we were still in Canada. They were prophesying over Cleveland from Canada when we left. All started, part of it all started with Mike Bickle sitting down with me in, in Canada. I was, I'd committed myself to stay there the rest of my life. And he says, you need a bigger city. I said, what are you talking about? He says, the Lord's calling you to a bigger city. This city's too small for you. And I thought, oh, okay. And on my way to Cleveland, James Gall gave me a prophecy. Great prophetic guy from Kansas City, now living in Nashville area. James Gall gave me a word. He was actually right here in the city when it happened. He said, he said the Lord is calling you back for restoration. I thought it was personal restoration because I needed it. He's calling you back for restoration. It wasn't until a year ago I heard the second part of that prophecy. He said it all those years back in 1995, 96. He said it then, but somehow the second part didn't register because I saw my need connecting to the first part of restoration. He said, for restoration and fire. So we're entering right now into the fire of fates. The fire of God. When we see these, you know, laid down lovers, altar of God, oil of God, like it stirs something in me, like... God is moving right now on the altar of the Lord, the sacrificial life. He's moving on people that get out of meism, meism, narcissistic. I get that we, we want to take care of ourselves, but I've, I've been reading on Facebook lately and people are way overboard right now. It's all about me. I'm not going to be concerned. One, someone the other day actually posted, I'm not concerned about other people anymore. I'm just taking care of myself. I thought, well, that it sounds good. Like the culture's gonna buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about me. It's not about everybody else. Forget everybody else. But see, the problem is with believers, that's not the kingdom of God. You discover yourself in your yielding of your heart to others. Bible says in Isaiah 58, when you extend your soul, then your light, your nighttime will be turned into day and your noonday will become become the promise of the Lord. And the depression will be released off of you. Some people go, I gotta focus on me right now. I'm going, no, 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 that's not the way out of depression. The way out of depression is ignoring what's going on in your life. I'm not saying ignoring, don't take your drugs or whatever you gotta do, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about, it's not the primary focus. It's secondary. The primary focus is I'm gonna, I'm gonna give now. I'm gonna serve now. You can't say, I will serve when I feel better. You serve and you get better. You serve and your marriage improves. You serve and the finances begin to come in. You begin to flourish. So I'm talking about ready, aim, fire. We're getting ready right now. All this year, we're going to be readying ourselves, aiming, and firing at a bunch of different things. We're going to destroy strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is being served notice right now. They are wanted and they will come down in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. Woo! So, we want to be people that are living with aim. A-I-M. Aim, there's an axiom out there, aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. <laughs> you focus, you aim. I've always been this kind of a person. I mean, I'm a goal setter. I, I set my eyes on things that are happening. It's just the way I was born, or maybe the way I was raised, I'm not sure, but I'm kind of a, a, an intentional thinker about the future. So I talk about it a lot. You know, it is a, like a life calling. I wrote a book about it, you know, and by the way, that book, we have it out there. 
And as I committed a couple weeks ago, I'll, re- I'll restate this again. Cindy, we just need to make note of this. I'll give you my book free. I, I pay for that. Like, I pay for that book. But I'll give it to you free. I'll give it to you free. You just have to commit to a couple things. This is the price. You can pay $15 at the bookstore and get it. Or you can pay this. It's free if you'll have no entertainment at all for a week. No screen time, nothing. None of your screen time stuff. No Netflix, nothing. No television. However you want to define all that. No screen time, all shows, uh, social media, everything. Cut it out for one week. You can have that book. If you commit to do that, you don't have to do it to get the book. I'll give you the book if you'll do it. And commit to finishing the book. And I encourage you to get a daily Bible. This is not part of that deal, but get a daily Bible or get our daily reading app so that you can track with us all this year. So get some kind of a daily reading so that you are being refreshed, restored, and built on a daily basis through the Word of God so that we can flourish this year. And we're going to see, we're going to have amazing testimonies of boxing people's ears <laughs> and seeing healing come. God giving us pictures of cartoon ears. Joel, what is that all about? We don't know. We don't know. It's God. It's the humor of heaven. He just does strange things. He loves to mess with us. And just show his love and his mercy. He's a, he's a joking father that really cares for us deeply, you know. So what we're doing is we are readying ourselves, but we are aiming also. And then we're going to fire. And fire is about leaning into it. It's not talking about it. Well, someday when the Lord opens the door. I hear that with a lot of Christians. It sounds so good. And I get that. I get that. We're waiting on the Lord. We're believing he's going to open a door. And there's good scripture to back that up. But some people have been waiting around for decades, waiting on the Lord. All you have to do, really, is lean into it. When you lean into it, it's, you, you connect from hope to faith. When you're here, you're like, I'm hoping it's going to happen. I mean, it was given to me. And then we got on this whole litany of famous people who prophesied, Benny Hinn laid hands on me. I felt it. I felt it. When he was here last spring, I got a prophecy from Duncan Smith. I got a prophecy from Bob Jones or... Bill Johnson came in and he dropped his marker of his Bible. I picked it up and I kept it. (laughs) I was in an elevator with Paul Kane. I mean, we got all these things that we we say, hold on over the year. And I tell you, heaven's not up there like, oh, that's good, buddy. That's good. Keep it up. Keep holding that little marker. It's going to mean something someday when it follows you into the casket. (laughs) Now, these are... (laughs) Cindy's face in the front row. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So we'll give you that book free or you can pay 15 bucks. You just got to follow the rules. No entertainment one week because I want to show you that that one week will shift something. It's like cutting sugar out of your diet. Oh, well, I can't do that, you know, or well, I, can do that. I can do that. And then you start doing it and you realize, oh, wow, that's a lot harder than I thought. You know, I'm addicted to sugar. It takes a while to kind of detox your body. It takes you a while to detox from social media. It takes you a while to detox from screen time all the time. It, it takes a while to detox from the culture that is so heavy and so inundated, the American Christian life that is about to be broken up by the power of God. I feel we're going to feel it. I feel we're going to feel it. And and not only that, he gives you, the Holy Spirit gives you the will and the desire. And I shouldn't say the the desire. He gives you the will, which is the desire. He gives you the will and he gives you the energy to do it. 
So he's not requiring something that he's not going to come alongside you and help you through. And so do that. Get a daily Bible. So how do we aim properly? We're going to go in just a moment. You can turn to 2 Kings 13, which I'm going to be there in just a moment. But another thing I need to talk about here is what are you aiming at? So what are we aiming at? Where is that thing that we're going? Right now we're talking about flourishing. You know, the ultimate aim in our lives is obvious. It's Christ-likeness. It's Christocentric lives, the core. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Son's in the middle. If you notice in some of the Celtic crosses, there's a circle around that, that inner area. They saw that, uh, really, it came out of the pagan sun god. When they converted to Christianity, they took that symbol and put it over on the cross, which is now accepted pretty widely in Christian circles. Don't freak out about that. Christians are so superstitious. They really are. Oh, someone touches me or I'm in a room and, and something bad's going on in that room. I'm going to get it. You know, it's like the cooties. I'm going to get it. I'm going to have to get decootieized or something like that, you know. And so I don't want the cooties, you know. Well, our, I thought we were overcomers. I thought that actually the gates of hell would not prevail against us. Sometimes we're going to have to be in bad environments. Sometimes we're not going to be bothered by pagan symbols and stuff like that. Like, whatever. Whatever, whatever. The symbol we have is the cross of Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God who went to hell itself and brought out captives. That's the, that's the God we serve. He's more than powerful to protect you from being surrounded by evil things. I mean, the, the, other, the, uh, the other night we stay in a, uh, this, uh, a mobile home park and Cindy's family has a big history in this mobile home park in Florida that we go to. And uh, we were laying in bed one night and uh, uh, I had one earbud in because I was watching a uh, program because I'd already bought my book so I could watch the program. <laughs> and, uh, and I heard a cat. I heard a cat outside the, uh, the window. You know, one of those cats roams around at night, you know, like that, and I'm like, you know, go away, you know. I felt like pounding on the wall or something. I'm watching the FBI show, and I'm into it, you know. And I go, and I take around the other earbud, and it's not a cat. I can hear, help me, help me. It sounded like a cat when I heard it. Help me, help me. And I thought, who is that? Cindy and I jump up right away. I mean, we go out in the middle of the street. We're, I mean, there's all these mobile homes around. It's like, and they're all older people. You know, I don't know why we're there, but, you know, they're, they're all older people. And uh, I think it's, it's that house right there. So we go over there, and, you know, I mean, this is like, I don't know, 11, 11.30 at night, something like that. And you don't want to invade someone's property. But, but sure enough, the closer we got, help me, help me. We finally get up to the door. We knock. Cindy opens it. Cindy's really good at this. Cindy goes inside. I just stood back with the flashlight. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> She got inside. It was this like 92-year-old lady and she, she, was, she lives there alone. She was laying in bed and she said there was someone in her room. And so uh, I got my flashlight. Cindy goes, go check and see, check the rooms out. I'm like, well, I'm not going to check the rooms out. <laughs> now, I was watching FBI, so I've learned a lot of things. Let me know. <laughs> All right, clear, clear. <laughs> Bedroom two, clear. Bathroom, clear. All right. Came back in there, shoulders a little broader, you know, like, it's clear. We're good to go. Nobody's here. And so 
there we are. And Cindy said, well, why don't you pray for her, you know? And, and by now, a little crowd has gathered around, you know, of other neighbors. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, and I just start praying over. And then Cindy quotes a verse to her, and this 92-year-old woman finishes the verse. Like, she's a believer, you know? And she was, she was undone. She was so nerved up by this incident, you know? And Cindy took her back into her bedroom, helped her to get you know, lay down in bed, you know, and, and kind of get back to sleep. Cindy said it all up. I mean, Cindy was, Cindy was ready to spend the night with her, really, if, if, if it was needed. Fortunately, it wasn't needed, but, but she got her all settled down and everything. I come back there in, in my bed, and I'm thinking, you know, I, nothing in my life is by accident. So, Lord, what are you, what, what was that all about? I know, I get that on the, on the natural plane, it's about this woman and her need, but what is it? And I, I felt the cry, we're gonna have to be tuned in to the cries and actually, I had, my life was, because of the earbuds, I, I blocked out everything around me. If I'd had that other earbud in, I wouldn't have heard it at all uh, because it's noise canceling. Focus on this, you know. But because I kept an ear on my life, my normal life, and an ear of what's going on there, we got awakened by it. We tended to it. And I'm telling you, we're about to have a, a flood of people that are crying out, help me. Help me, help me, help me. We got to get out of bed. Is it going to be inconvenient? That's the first thing I thought when I got out of bed. Oh man, it's 1130. I'm tired. We're in the middle of the FBI show. I mean, I don't you know. We went over there. Cindy, though, is like minute woman. She's just, boom, she's on it, you know. Or literally, anytime these kinds of things happen. I hate blood, I hate the stress, I hate all that kind of stuff. I just stand behind her and with my flashlight and she took care of it. But I feel it was a prophetic picture of what God's saying. He's calling us to begin to be ready to not just go, well, maybe we should call the police, let someone come, maybe we should do it. You know, I believe that Christians are gonna stand right in the middle of many tragedies throughout this nation. The Christians are actually going to interrupt some situations. Why? Because we're being called out of ourselves to flourish in Christ, to be Jesus in every situation we go to, to present Jesus Christ to other people and to show it. The next day, this lady was just raving about that beautiful prayer. I mean, it was a spontaneous thing I would pray anywhere. But they're not hearing those things outside here. They're not hearing the worship that is here on Sunday morning. They're not hearing the prayers that are here on Sunday morning. That's why you got to go in the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Anyway. Yeah. So we're learning how to aim at something. And we have a culture right now that's creating their own religions. They're creating their own, this is the way I do it, you know. I like to say, Sunday and I joke all the time. People saying, I like to say, and then they say something that's really quite common, you know. And it's like, well, everyone likes to say that, you know, but you don't say that. I mean, I like to say, this is my cream. This ice cream is my cream, you know. It's my cream. That's what I like to say. Okay, cool. You're an, you're an individual. You can call it whatever you want. You know, we hear these things all the time, you know. It's like, okay, we're customizing, crafting our life. I'm unique. I'm different. I'm original. I, I'm telling you, that's not the way we go in Christ, it's no longer I that live. Christ lives in me and through me, by the way. I've given up my life. I'm a sacrifice. We're just saying about it. Laid down lover. Where we laid down? On an altar. Where things get killed and burned. So I'm not liking this message, Pastor Steve. I'm sorry. There'll be a better one next week. But anyway, 
Jordan Peterson, if you haven't heard about him, I love the guy. I watch him almost every morning I, I, when I'm on my treadmill. Uh, he's, he's called the world psychologist. He's, he's emerged. He's on a journey to Christ. He, I think he knows it, but he's not, I don't know that he's fully, I don't know. I, I mean, he did something on, on the crucifixion a couple weeks ago that was stunning good, you know. So this, this is just a, he was an ordinary professor, Harvard, uh, see Harvard professor, graduate, he's, I forget now. He's in the University of Toronto. They're trying to get rid of him right now. But he's created as a, uh, he's come out as a real spokesman for men and a spokesman for uh, crafting your life. He's got this thing he does called uh, self-authoring, which it helps you understand destiny and how to pursue it. It's interesting. Uh, but he says that people are starting to create their own moral codes. It's a customized, crafted moral code. I know everybody else does this, but this is what I do, you know. I smoke a little dope on the weekend, but, you know, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of the Lord when I'm doing it, and I'm praying that he'll use. I mean, you, you, we laugh, but that's going on right now. I mean, I can go on and on. Like, I, people tell me what they're doing. Like, sometimes I got to say, you, you, you do understand, like, that's not the intention of heaven for, for what you're supposed to do. I mean, because then I'm going to get into a deep discussion with them, you know. So a lot of times people just share stuff, and you go, okay, Jesus, I don't know. They're, they're not under my care right now, Lord. They, you know, they're going to do what they want. And they do that, and so they customize their Christianity. And so Jordan Peterson says, you know what I do with people like that? He says, first of all, I tell them, we do not live long enough to be able to create a code that's going to cause us to be joyful and peaceful about our lives. You'd have to live to be hundreds of years old to do that. Most of us aren't that smart be able to do that. We just really get a lot of our moral codes from the people we run with or people we hang out with or some Christians that don't know what their moral code is. And then we go, well, let's mimic them. They're, they seem to be doing all right. And so he says, this is what I do with my students because he's, he's a professor. He says, I do this. I'll sit with a student who's going off about their own moral code and what they're creating. I just want to create my own little belief system and how I believe. Oh, yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Good, man. Good. Everyone's got to create their own thing. He says, let's play a game with the students. They go, oh, okay, you know. And so he'll pull a student up there and he go, you want to play a game? They go, yeah. And he goes, okay, um, you go first. <laughs> and the response is like, well, wait. You said we're going to play a game. Yeah, 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 you go first. Well, what's the game? They're bewildered. They don't know what the game is. And he goes, exactly. Yeah. You don't know what the game is. But if you study and you understand who Jesus Christ is, the frameworks of culture, what produced Western civilization, things like that, you get a framework. Now you can align yourself within those amazing boundaries. He talks about there's never really ultimate freedom anywhere. Anywhere you go, you're all, you say you're free, but you're still not in the totality of freedom that comes only in Jesus Christ. And by the way, the freedom in Jesus Christ is actually bound. We are now, we are no longer slaves of sin. According to Romans, we are now slaves of righteousness. We're still slaves. <laughs> but we're slaves to Christ. That's what we joined up for. And so, they're bewildered, and he goes, well, that, he, he says, well, here's the rules. And he starts talking about what the rules are. So here's some things we're aiming at this year. Faith is an active learn, leaning into the future. Christianity is an active life of faith. So when you lean in, so when you just say, you know, I need to be getting in the Word of God. I'd love to be able to do that every day. That, all that talk means nothing. 
It's when your talk becomes an action. I can say that I'm a believer, but if I'm not believing, I'm not a believer. And believing is demonstrated by the fruit that's coming out of your life. It is a called in the Bible, strange enough, it's called a fruit of the Spirit or fruits of Christ. It's not just, fruit doesn't come instantly. Gifts do. The Lord gives us gifts. Showed me this about five years ago. He gives us gifts. The gifts, you lean into those gifts because those gifts create faith. Your leaning in is faith, but leaning in and being a part of a local church and all the dynamics go within that, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything else starts building. It's like going to the gym and lifting weights. I mean, you, you don't always want to do that, but you do it because you know when I get tension against my muscles, my muscles begin to grow. And so tensions in the body of Christ, are, this is a fitness gym. Kind of looks like one, really. You come here and you work out with other people and your muscles are growing and you're learning how to lean in faith because that is the muscle of the kingdom of God. So we're people who lean in faith. Faith without works is dead. The just shall live by faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. John Wimber said that. Without faith, you cannot please God. It involves leaning into the unknown and what you hope but do not see See, it's the things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. How do you have evidence of things unseen? It's the, it's the substance of things unseen. In other words, something within you says, although I do not see it, I believe it. When you get into that crazy world, you begin to move forward in Christ. You now live a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. Turn to 2 Kings and then we're going to do a prophetic activation together. I think I got time. 2 Kings chapter 13 says this. Elijah has become sick with the illness of which he would die. A lot I can say about that, but we don't, it's really not what we're doing here. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him. Joash is the king of Israel. He came down to him. The prophet has been very good to Joash in the sense of helping him win battles, makes him look good politically. You got a prophet around. By the way, it's not about a prophet nowadays. Everybody understands that, right? Joel in the Bible said that he dreamed of a day, he saw a day where your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. I have a lot of them. Young men will see visions. Your handmaidens and hand servants will rise up but be filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, it's this overwhelming flow of the Spirit. It's no longer just about the man of God, the prophet of God. A lot of churches are still hung up in that. We've been hung up in it several times throughout our history, but we quickly shake that off and go, no, this is about the body of Christ rising up and what God's called it to be. So you go to a prophet in the Old Testament. You know what you do in the New Testament? You go to a fellow believer that's prophetic. Here's the voice of God. And he says to this, so Joash does this. He goes to Elijah one last time because he knows he's dying. Elijah says this to him. Take a bow and some arrows. This is ready, aim, fire. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on the bow. He's standing there with the bow, which would probably be in his left hand if he was right-handed. He's got that bow. He's got that arrow. Elisha the prophet, which represents the prophetic body of Christ, or Elijah the prophet says this, 
He puts his hands on the king's hands. What does that mean? You don't have to be a biblical scholar to figure that out. If I tell you to pick up the bow and then I put my hand on your hand on that bow, what's, what's that communicating if I'm a prophet? It means that I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm blessing what you're doing. I'm going to be with you. And this is not just in your own power, but it's the power of the prophetic the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the power of the prophetic word over you. We are going to do something prophetic right now. And so Elisha and Joe Asher in this little parable of sorts, puts his hand, Elisha puts his hand on the king's hands and he said, open the east window. Now east in the Bible is always like, east is the place you don't want to go. It'd be like the east side of Cleveland. No, I'm just kidding. It's east side. East side. East side, west side. In the Bible, the east represents difficulty, challenge, destruction. The west is always coming out of that. And here's some examples of it. It's like an allegory, but the east window is, is about his enemies. The Syrians were in the east of where he was. The area east is, is the constant battleground that Israel faced. Cain, when he murdered his brother Abel, he went out to the east in the land of Nod. There was a gate, one gate in the Garden of Eden that was on the east side. And they, when they went out of it, they couldn't come back in. Abraham, he, went, he was born in the east in Ur, down on the Persian Gulf, and he went west. He went against the flow of culture in that day because he was seeking for a city whose builder and maker was God. So you go west when you want to get out of the stuff in the east. The east wind in the Bible brought locusts and plagues and blights. The Messiah is going to return into the eastern gate and the Ottomans, which are the Muslims of the 16th century, when they took over Jerusalem, blocked off that eastern gate. I've been there. It's still blocked off. But there's a prophetic word in the Bible that the you know why he blocked it off? He blocked it off because he believed more than the Jews and the Christians believed. He believed that they, they knew that their Messiah was going to come back out of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Mount Olivet, out of the Garden of, of Gethsemane, into the Eastern Gate. And so he blocked it off so that the Messiah could not get through the Eastern Gate. I mean, part of that's brilliant, part of that's kind of stupid. I mean, you know, but he did that. And to this day, it's still there. But it's prophesied in the Bible that the Lord will come back through that eastern gate. So somehow that's going to open up. By the way, when it opens up, you'll know that's a sign of something that's coming. So the east, east, uh, he returns the eastern gate and it, it represents your place of trouble, your battle. So this is what's going. He says, open the east window. And then he says in verse 17, shoot. And he shot. So he had the arrow in there. He shot it. And he says this, he prophesies over the arrow in the air and he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and of the deliverance from Syria for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. So there's something in each one of our lives as a target that we, we must shoot at. We're gonna do that in just a moment. He says, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground and he struck three times. Now, this is interesting. I, I wish I had more time on this, but... You know, we've always seen this as taking these arrows and striking them on the ground. Uh, some believe the way it was written in the context is that he shot arrows into the ground, which is quite possible. He shot three arrows into the ground. And when he does that, he, he strikes three times and stops. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Like, who knows the rules? Well, I didn't know that. But see, it's something about passion. It's something about faith. Somebody who's understanding this is a spiritual moment 
is passionate about it, and they would be striking that for a half an hour. I am going to be victorious over the Syrians. I said again, I'm going to be. If they were Pentecostals or Charismatics, they'd be like, woo! <laughs> and then we find out it actually meant something. The Lord said, and the, the Lord God, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck him five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And then it says, and Elisha died. I don't know if it's like, oh my gosh, poof, he's out. <laughs> I can't take Joash anymore, Lord, take me home. I'm done. And they buried him. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how important it is to actively this, this is sums up in two stages. Stage one is ready, aim, fire. Stage two is strike the ground with arrows. Importance of follow through. Feel the passion of the moment. Don't be, this is the term that came to me when I was studying this the other day, lackluster. It's not a biblical term. Lackluster. Lackluster means lacking in vitality, force, or conviction, uninspired or uninspiring. If you're in that place, you will not complete the victory that God has promised you from the beginning through his precious blood, but it is available. But you've got to lean into it. I talked to a friend out in the lobby today. He, did, he told me, he just said, he was feeling, it's like, you know, he hadn't heard my message yet, but he said, you know, I feel like a stirring, like I want to, I want to do something, you know, and I, I encouraged him in that and said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's what faith is all about, man. Faith is saying, you know what? I, I'm, I, I have a burden for children. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be involved in children's ministry. How's that going to work out? Am I ever going to get to a Sunday morning service now? I'm going to be trapped in the back room. You know, you, you start thinking all these things out rather than saying, this is what I'm called. I'm laying down my life. I'm going to be involved with the children. I'm going to be involved with the youth. I'm going to be involved with outreach. I'm going to be involved with whatever. I'm going to open my mouth and begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we were in a restaurant the other day in Florida. A young lady came up, you know, a product of the time. I won't describe her, but she was a product of the time. The way she was dressed, young, probably 22, 23 years old. And I, I knew some, there was some kind of separation in her life. And I just asked her, are, are you a Jesus follower? She goes, uh, yeah. And, and I always clarify it after that and say, well, tell me about it. When, when did that happen? Because I want to see if people are really, do they know what I'm talking about? And she was raised in a family of Christians. She has not talked. I said, do you talk to your parents? I, I knew that she was separated from them, uh, from what I was getting in my heart. <laughs> she said, no, we don't talk anymore. We're separated, you know, and some kind of misunderstanding going on. I just started talking to her. I tell you, she was so open, probably for 15 minutes. I got a chance to lead her. I, I spoke into her life. It was kind of funny. I talked to, the, to her, a group the other night here in Cleveland about it. And uh, she said, are you clairvoyant? And I said, No. She said, will you hear things? And I said, yes, I hear things from God sometimes for people. She goes, so this is like something that's really true then. It's something that, and I said, yeah, I believe it is. But you've got to, you know, you've got to weigh this out like we would tell anyone. And, uh, and the conversation ended. Of course, we prayed for it and everything. And, and uh, I prophesied something very specifically about, I think it was about 24 hours or something like that. We're going to go back and check on her next time that we're down there. But the dynamic, again, I... I've got something I'm going to show in a couple of weeks that's really powerful, but their, their hunger outside of this place is huge right now. Bigger, honestly, than I think it's ever been in my lifetime. Definitely since the Jesus movement of the 70s. So there's, there's a time right now we've got to stand up. Peck, let's stand up together. Uh, <clears throat> Jake, is your message done for tonight? 
Is it done for tonight? Good. Can you go out and preach in Middleburg? Okay. You need to leave right away. All right. Okay, here's what we're going to do. He's leaning leaning into it. Yeah. Don't be late for lunch. So here's what we're going to do. The East is over here. All right. So let's just, we're going to aim. You know, we've got all these targets on the wall. See them up there? Square targets there. All up there. Pick one. Those square targets up there represent something in your life that needs to be destroyed. Just, just take a minute. Let that sink in. What is it? What is it? Is it sexual addiction? Is it, is it lackluster? Is it anger? Is it money? I don't know. You know, it usually bubbles up pretty quick because we know better than anyone what our faults are. But there's something that is like, it's either a stronghold or it's being built into a stronghold and it needs to come down. And so we're going to lean into it. And here's the deal. First of all, put your hand on the bow. I know this sounds weird, but we do this a lot here. We like to activate things. I wish I had a bow to give all of you so you could realistic. It's, it's the opposite of your strong hand, either left or right. So put your hand on the bow. I'm going to ask you to pick, pick your target. You say, what if I miss? <laughs> well, if you miss, that's called harmartia. English picked the word called sin to replace harmartia, missing the mark. But you know what the mark is? What, what's it say in Romans? Fall short of what? The glory of God. The target is the glory of God. So you're shooting, you're piercing this difficulty you have. You're saying you are coming down in the name of Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to deal with it in a minute because we're going to strike our arrows against the ground too. I'll show you how to do that. But, but we're aiming at this target right now. <clears throat> and then you've got your bow in, you have, you have your arrow, arrow in hand, right? Okay, you're ready there. Pull back and just get, in a minute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you release that. Don't get hurt as you release it. But we're going we're gonna to say, in the name of Jesus and by his shed blood. Okay, so this is, and we're going to hit the target. I'm prophesying ahead. You're going to hit your target. And you're declaring it's going to go all over hell like they are out of their shell and they're about to do serious business for God. All right, so you ready to shoot? So what did I say that we say in the name of Jesus? By the power of his shed blood. Let's release. All right, it's coming down. You know, I see it falling like a, like a flag that's dropping to the ground. It's a false flag. Yeah, let's thank the Lord for it right now. Just thank the Lord. <clears throat> okay, now turn and face me a minute. <clears throat> rather than arrows, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than arrows, our feet are going to be the arrows. And so we're going to stomp our feet a little bit. We're not going to do it just once or twice. We might, we might do the charismatic thing. I don't know. But we're, we're going to now, this is, this is like, this shows, we shot the arrow, but this shows the passion. This is like the prayer, the intercession, the completion, the confession of what we said. 
This is coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I want us to do it like we're stomping. So I know we're on concrete. Don't hurt yourself. But it's, it's going to be like this. It'll be like, like that. That's the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it in rhythm together, okay? Because this is a corporate stomping, not only for this house right here, but let it go out through Medina County, Cuyahoga County, the counties around here. Boom! Christians are awakening. The head of Gulliver is about to rise or is rising. We have entered into a revival, a renewal, an awakening. And right now, we're readying ourselves for it in the name of Jesus. So think of that thing we just shot down, whatever that was. And now you're like, you're just completing the contractual deal right now. And it involves stomping, all right? So let's do this. Think about that coming down. Just see it coming down in your mind. Whatever that stronghold is, that barrier is. Again, I think of it like a flag that kind of drifts to the ground. It seems significant, but it's really not. But just take it down. Just take it down. And let's move on now to the glory of God. Let's not fall short anymore. Everybody ready? You know how to stomp? Someone next to you, watch them if you're not sure what to do. And we're going to do it together. Everybody ready? Here we go. Almost sounds like an army. Come on, harder. Total victory in Jesus' name. Total victory in Jesus' name. Everything's coming down and Jesus is rising up. Woo, just a little bit more. Complete. Three, two, one, stop. All right, thank the Lord for that. Jesus, we prophesy over this church, Lord. Every word that hangs and drips from the ceiling, Lord God, looking for receptors. We are the receptors. We receive your move, Lord, in this city. We receive this move in this local church. We commit ourselves to the move of the Spirit of God as we see it bubbling up more and more and more. We bless everyone here right now, Lord, that they will see and understand clearly what the Lord is doing in their lives as we move forward to flourish throughout this whole year, Lord. If our teams can come up to the front, we've got ministry teams up here just stand facing the, the uh, congregation. Anyone who has any need whatsoever, feel free to come up to one of these teams. We're dismissing in about 30 seconds here. You're free to go. But we just want to let you know, look, they're here to pray for you. If you have not given your heart to Jesus Christ, now is the time of salvation. Come up and talk to one of these folks. They'll give you a free book. They'll pray over you. They'll minister to you. Or if you need healing, financial needs, whatever it might be, come. They'll be glad to minister and bless you. So may bless you. I bless you. You're rising up. You're lying down. You're coming in and going forth. May the favor, grace, and mercy of God richly rest upon you right now. May you sense and feel the very glory of God expressing itself in your life this week. We bless you, Bethel Cleveland, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.